Okay, here we go. And also, uh. Yes, if you were wondering, Big Tuck is drinking, uh. Oh, God, what sludge. do they call that in prison? Oh, hooch juice? Hooch juice? Or it, it's, it's not hooch juice. It's, it's not- like. I think it's just hooch. No, hold on. What is that called? Uh, prison. Prison swill. Wine. Prison. Well, they have things up. Anyway, guys, welcome to episode 111. That is 111 oh. of CMB Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Coppola, number five, and my fellow host, who is not a waste of space. Oh, Big Tuck. How do- oh thank you so much. Uh, this is not Hoot Shoots. It's actually, I told you about my time in Gatlinburg. Uh, t- Gatlinburg, Tennessee, when I got like the two mason jars of sample. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I forgot I had this. I they, I was drunk and spent like $60. Yes. Question, was it samples or was it snapples? Ooh, interesting. It does kind of look like a snapple here, but check this out. So this is a Bloody Mary. They sell a cornbread jalapeno moonshine Gross. and then their own Bloody Mary mix. And they give you a jar, gave me one. By that, they, made, they went into the back and grabbed one. And it shows you how much to fill the the jalapeno cornbread and how much to fill the bloody mary mix up to so I, i'm pretty sure that those instructions just look like some drunk took it's, a black sharpie and just kind of did this i think if you if you look pretty close it's probably close to that i think instead of a <laughs> drunk it was an 18 year old kid who was scared when i was yelling at him about these sort of things uh but i have i i wanted to have a couple drinks on the show as i do because i'm going on a second date tonight um and we added some parking lots Smooch Sessions, the Kissing Bandits back. I added, I, I did round two at Nota Brewing. And then I had a brand new one, which was a city park parking lot makeout. And then... Were they homeless? Uh, maybe. Specifically for the city park? I don't, I don't think so. She does drive a Scion XB or whatever that like box thing is. Oh, so she's stuck in 2005. I, okay. Yeah, dude, it's a 2016. It's the same year as my Forerunner. I didn't know they still made those. But anyways, the, the last thing I'll say on that is... We are, you know, enjoying each other's company. I, You would have liked this. This is a very Mr. Combo number five date. Uh, she wanted to go to a park and, like, walk around, so I got a charcuterie spread. Ooh. Uh, gluten-free or lactose-free and a little wine. She's lactose intolerant. I don't know, whatever. Um, and then the mustard from the National Mustard Museum I went to when I was on my road trip. Went out, like, gangbusters. Uh, but then, so I, like, dropped her off for her car because she, like, parked and walked for some reason. And we were, <laughs> we were like... Smooching a little bit in the Forerunner, which is the best place to smooch. And then, like, some jagoff opens up his garage and comes, like, staring at us. He must have been, like, the president of the HOA or something. And it was, like, high school over again. It's like, oh, I guess it's the end of the date. Like, hi, asshole. Uh, we'll see you later. So we're, we're going to see uh, – we're going to go see the original t- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so that's that. And then the last thing I want to say before I turn the mic over to you is I have listened – so remember how I told you about, like, this content, right? I watched Malignant. I – have clocked in over six hours of content off of it and i still think it's a bad movie so anyways i just want to put a code on that how are you sir i know you're well rested yeah inside joke yeah we don't need to, we don't uh need to yeah inside inside joke uh yeah so well i'm glad you saw the error of your ways with malignant that movie was terrible i think it's bad yeah I don't think we have time it's, to litigate yeah. it right now, but... No, we don't. <laughs> uh, but I would highly advise, even for free, do not watch. Uh, I don't... I think it's worth a... I don't know. I think it's still worth a while. If you're like... 
if you're having a couple beers and some friends over. Yeah, if you're if you're looking to see like a more violent version of Neo fighting, yes, <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead and watch this it's, movie. Which is no spoilers because it's impossible to. But anyways, how are you doing? <laughs> what's what's going what's going on in your world? Preparing for Italy. Italy that's uh, right. When this episode airs, I will be on a plane. I think to Atlanta or to New York, then to Florence. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's been it's been uh, decent. I uh, spent this morning uh, with uh, my buddy that I'm going uh, to Italy with. Uh, we started booking our Airbnb experiences. Oh, Big Tuck, you're a travel guy. Have you ever gone to the experience section of the Airbnb app? No, I didn't know that was an option. I'm telling you, man, you need to go in. Listen to some of the experiences we're going to do while we're in Italy. I thought you were saying you were just now booking your Airbnbs for Italy. I was like, that seems awfully late in the game to do this, but... No, uh, this one is $38 a person. It's a two-hour tour of the dark side of Florence. Whoa! So they'll take you through the bloodiest parts of the Middle Ages, the late Renaissance, crimes, plots, punishments. All of that kind of stuff. So we're doing that one night. Another day, we're actually, for an entire afternoon, going to have a uh, uh, Italian chef uh, host a private pasta-making class wow. for us. Wow, this so is all through gonna, Airbnb? All through Airbnb. Whoa. So we're going to make raviolis, uh, angel hair, all of that stuff. Uh, another day, we're obviously going to do uh, a massive Tuscan wine tasting. I think we're going to go through like six or seven different uh, wineries. Wow. And then one that I did special is we're actually spending a couple days in Rome. So I booked one that's called The Secret Dinner in the Heart of Rome, which I'm very excited for. Because apparently there's a cooking show over there where it's people's restaurants, but they actually do it out of their homes. And it's all like private. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently this gal made it into like the top four in Italy. Um, so that'll be pretty fun. So yeah, so I, that's awesome. I, you love to travel. I do. I'm a I would highly encourage you, even if you're not using an Airbnb, wherever you're going, just type in the city and the dates and go to the experiences. You'll find random things that you never even thought of. And I travel by myself a lot. So I'm always looking for like group activities and those sort of things. Um, have you watched the show Master of None before? The, within season, sorry. Absolutely love it. I have not seen the new season. Okay, though. it's trash. Uh, new season's no good. But if you want my opinion, I would rewatch the second season first episode that's all in black and white when he goes to Italy. Because I think he does like pasta making and stuff like that. Yeah, might he does. Be, might be a good way. Might be a good way to set the uh, mise en scene. Uh, which is like the way that the play looks. So just an idea. Well, there. I will tell you this. I will be setting my mise en scene. By watching Squid Games crossing the Atlantic, because <laughs> what what better way to get into Italian food eating than uh, a Korean battle royale Netflix show about children's games, but we're actually murdering each other? I have I know that's like the hot thing right now on the interwebs and the TikToks and whatnot. I have no interest in watching that show whatsoever. So if you say it's good though, that means it's probably good. Or if you say it's good, it means it's probably well. With this one, with TV shows, you're usually I respect your opinion on. TV shows to the to the degree that you give them. So so far, like the TV shows that you have given, like here's a good example, like Doom Patrol, right? You're like, yeah, it's good, and I watched it. And I was like, yeah, it's good, and like Mandalorian. <laughs> Did you see the new season on. came out? No, I I haven't. I have I am so far behind. The only thing I don't like about Doom Patrol is it's there's like 23 episodes a season, which normally is good, but I'm like, come on. Like, I want to get to the, I want to get to season two where I guarantee the effects are better. I'm done with yeah. this plot line. So no, I, I haven't watched very little TV. I've been watching my spooky movies. So there you go. 
Well, if you guys would like to help us out financially, so that way we can continue to improve the content that we deliver, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. Uh, we have several different tiers that go from a dollar a month to five to 15 to 25, and you get everything from a bunch of soft value stuff, uh, access into the Discord, entered in for deck therapy, uh, you get submitted for voices, which, uh, awesome enough, uh, Hamburger Demon Poo Classic. did the voices for us this episode. So uh, thank you so much. And, of course, one thing everyone's very excited for, uh, I did see, Big Tuck, the uh, ugly holiday sweater. Nice. I see the finished product, a picture of it. They're, they're supposed to be shipping me a real one, I believe, so that way I can feel it. Right. But it looks pretty damn great. Send it over to me. Text it, text it to me. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely am going to right now. So, um, and, you know, even be able to get an extra discount on that. So make sure you join because this is what's going to enable us to constantly improve the uh, content that we're putting out. Now, if you're already an existing patron and... Uh, would like to refer someone to join the collective, uh, have them message us on Patreon. Uh, we give referrals. So no matter what tier they sign up for, whether they're getting RK Post exclusive tokens or CMD Tower merch, we're going to give you something, whether it's something as simple as signing uh, a card that you may want us to do, getting an Gold ordered, obviously. Uh, go to hell, uh, you know, <laughs> even actually getting some physical merch. So uh, be sure if you're an existing patron that you grow the collective. Now, if you guys can't afford a monthly subscription, but you would like to get your hands on our merchandise, head over to our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. We do sell everything on there, but contractually obligated, there is a redacted bit. <laughs> now, of course, you can just share the content you're watching and listening to, because every little bit of interaction from the collective does help. And want to give a big shout out to our audio and video editor at underscore teacoats. Uh, Tyler does the audio editing for Bruce and Bills and all the video editing here at CMD Tower. Uh, definitely hit him up. He's always looking to grow and learn. So if there are things that you would like to see done differently on Bruce and Builds, please let us know. Our editor would love to hear your ideas. Now, Bruce and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, the 12 themes of EDH decks, we have moved on to the classic brew from day one, Bruce and Builds, with a traditional episode. So we described the brewing of these decks similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board state. That is grain. And grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color the taste and most importantly the alcohol content of a beer dex needs ways to grow stabilize and ramp in your bigger threats and just like a grain profile they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards and then how does your board interact with all of your opponents we call that hops and hops give the beers patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors they grow in a variety of strands and don't exist at all in these white claws that i've been drinking because they're easier and uh, a little a little lower calorie uh, our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can ultimately do what it wants and then how does your deck actually close out and win games we call that yeast and yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol and content carbonation, which are in these white claws. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. Without yeast cards, your deck would meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have one of my favorite sections, shenanigans. These can be pet cards, random synergies that are the deck that are just kind of fun. We call that spice. And not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a, a, a jalapeno. Blah. It could be it could it could be the uh, jalapeno corn cornbread moonshine that turns this Bloody Mary into me not being 
being able to sneak straight or the addition of hops to turn an IPA into a double IPA. And every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it. And then to cap it off, we have redundancy of bottle capping. These are going to be big testinized cuts and adds to the deck that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. Mr. Combo number five here is going to be... Filling in back to basics, back to baby. basics. Too bad it's not in a blue back deck. To the OG. Too bad we're not talking about a blue deck oh. today, or we would be talking back to basics. No, we're talking about my colorless deck, and I bet you know what sexy uh played or uh legends we're talking, <laughs> uh Eldrazi's because it's kind of like one of the only options outside of sure. like Traxos and yeah. Karn is kind of up there if you're going straight. I yeah. guess Karn, He's yeah, played out though, but uh, so we're talking about. Kozilek doesn't believe in watercolors. He says, fuck watercolors. He fucking I don't, hates I don't them. Need them. Fuck you, fuck it's you, only fuck gray. you. It's only gray trees. I've, I'm only doing, yep. I'm only doing it, gray tattoos, gray ink. That's it. If you're a colored permanent, I'm going to counter you. I'm going to get rid of you because we are talking about the great you, you distortions. Can, you, can, you, about, you, about, you about draw some peace on some uh, PC police on us. Good thing you went with colored permanence. Not another P word, potentially. Ooh. Oh, God. Uh, Big Tuck, why don't you read off at CMC, Power and Toughness, and what the hell this thing does. Yeah, so Cosmic the Great Distortion is actually, I think, one of, if not the most affordable uh, Eldrazi Titans in price. He's about $15, and that's probably for the foil-ish? I can't, I can't tell a TCG player, but he is not in mana cost because he is eight colorless and two diamonds, colorless. two colorless as well. <laughs> it's so stupid. This is the set that ruined it for all of us, and we're yep. never going to see it again. So he is a legendary creature, Eldrazi. He is a mythic, and he's a big, big boy coming in at a 12-12. When he has, when you cast Cosmic the Great Distortion, and cast is a, is a big distinction on these titans, uh, it's not end of the battlefield. If you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. He has Menace. And then finally, he has Discard a card with Converted Mana Cost X. Counter Target Spell with Converted Mana Cost X. And there is a little bit of flavor text that's going to be read by Sharash Keeper of the Cowl, uh, a.k.a. an old-timey gangster. <clears throat> now, see here. See, you see what I mean? Avoid as cryptic as reality itself, see? <laughs> Meet it, boy! Top of the stack! So, here's an interesting thought I just had. I'm pretty sure you could run Kozilek in any color deck, right? You absolutely could. Okay. The only thing that you have to have mana rocks that produce colorless. Yes. So, hypothetically, in like some green decks, he might be uncastable. Because <laughs> everything. So, I was just thinking, though, because you know I have this aversion to single-use card draw spells. Mm. Should I just put a Kozilek the Great Distortion in every deck that I own... Because, you know, yeah, it's card draw, but at least I get a 12-12 out of it, and a menace, and a counter guy. I think you you already did that with the OG Kozilek, didn't you? Yes, as a anti-Milby plan. Ah, right. And then occasionally draw some cards. Yeah. Uh, so I also did a little bit of research. I thought that we had we might have missed it. And this we were like, oh, wait, we, this is finally our colorless deck. But I forgot we did the Goads friendly Emrakroll. Uh, deck in very very big quotation marks yes very friendly uh what was that episode 32 33 uh i just had that up it was down there i think it was 50 51 oh, 51 okay 51 yeah so yeah this is my colorless deck um i'm gonna say it doesn't really have a shape it's like a little bit of eldrazi it's a little yeah. bit of artifact it's a little bit of just like big colorless spells yeah, so, yeah, yeah it, 
I think that's the biggest challenge to it, but also I think it not really having an identity is what ma- has made it into this decent, yeah. I would call it 60% deck, where for the most part, that kind of loosey-goosey theme has actually helped me to where I usually always have stuff to counter other spells with. Right. And I'm never like, oh, well, I shouldn't do this. It's like, well, I got other strategies. I don't care if I get rid of my best red living in the red zone card, because now I can go this other route instead. Right. So, uh, but it's not one that I play hardly ever. I will admit that. <laughs> uh, but it is one that I have the funnest altar sleeves on. If you guys go to altersleeves.com, um, look up the Eldrazi's, and they do these very cool where it's like the CIA redacted camcorder footage where they have like oh. black lines over the yeah, flavor yeah, text yeah. And, and stuff like that. And the Eldrazi's will look, it's all like legit redacted. Redacted, yes, I was going to say. Yeah, and I think I've seen you play this deck a handful of times, and I think it really, I mean, this also goes to your deck style, because the times that I've seen it not do anything is when you can't cast your commander. Yeah. Because I, I also had a very similar build with Emrakul, The Promised End, and I eventually dismantled it because it was kind of that same thing, right? Like, these Eldrazi's are so, these Eldrazi's are so heavily costed, you have to run like every artifact under the sun to get them out. Which I do. And then on, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? Um, and well, and you see that like the 35 grain, 26 hops, some of which are lands. Like you have lands scattered all through here because you can just run every colorless one. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, but I think, you know, it does make it difficult because you're like, well, I guess if I'm running all these artifacts, I might as well run artifact-friendly synergies. But then like you can kind of get pulled away from that. So uh, the Mr. Combo brought up a great point earlier, which is hysterical when you're looking at the CMC. Um, it's the CMC is a little high at 5.9, just a little, which makes sense. For, which makes sense uh, for uh, Eldrazi's. Uh, uh, hold on, 5.09. 0.9, Yes, that's a very that's a big mistake. difference. <laughs> yes, very big difference there. But he does have at least a card from mana cost zero to thirteen, which hey, is I'm pretty countering great. everything, so, baby, except for Draco. And I have seen you. I this like I said. Once you once you get your boy out, um, once you get Kazi out, it does definitely slow down the game a lot. And the fact that he's got his menace and he's a two turn clock for commander damage, he is powerful. I think where I've seen you stall out is when you don't get when you don't get mana draws or you run out of cards in hand and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, pretty much the the way that this deck has run the most efficient. Now everyone's gonna roll your eyes. Oh, Mr. Combo. Well, that's just how decks, like, of course, if a deck does that, it works. Listen, I built the deck so it works this way. (laughs) The deck works the best when I'm able to get Kozilek out turn five and earlier. Yeah. Now, everyone would, once, like I said, roll your eyes. Of course, you'd like your 10 drop turn five or earlier. But to Tuck's point, you know, I have 32 artifacts in this deck. Yeah. Almost all of them are grains. They are ramping me the hell out. So a a normal opening hand should be three lands and three Three mana rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why the turn five or earlier should work. And that's where, Tuck, you've seen me in games where I stalled out. It was probably in ones where I didn't have a lot of mana rocks. Mm -hmm. And they were probably hands that had a lot of great things in them. But in my head, it's like, well, I'm so saturated in mana rocks. 
I can keep a risky hand with none because I know I'll draw into it mm-hmm. and then I end up whiffing, which, you know, that happens to Commander. It happens. But I think, like, to your point, the curve in here is such that you have to run all those artifacts because even if you're not casting your Commander, you're still casting seven, eight drops. And if you only do one of those a turn, you kind of stall that's out on that too. Bad. Yeah, that's yeah. real bad. Last thing, price point is about your range is about $1,000. It's between 700 <laughs> Swift, 700 1000 uh, You do go through and add in all of your... Uh, foils and everything and your alternate arts, which I am way too lazy to do. So it's probably a little lower than that if you don't want to go that way. But you kind of have to spend, if you want to run artifact stacks and colorless decks, you kind of have to pay the piper for the for the top end stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no way of getting around, a, you know, like a mana crypt or, um, you know, don't, don't want to give anything away with the other cards. But well, let's, let's get go. into this tuck. Let's start with our grain section. My first card is a card that is amazing. It probably should see way more play than it does, but its price point probably keeps it from there. It's great because it's in that sweet Manalith space, but technically it's just a better Manalith because it reduces yes, it all Here of we a go. certain type by one colorless. Three, two, one. Cloud Key! Cloud Key is three colorless for an artifact. As it comes into play, choose artifact, creature, enchantment, instant, or sorcery. Spells you play of the chosen type cost one less to play. And Mr. Combo, there is some uh, words to be read here. By your favorite, Nicol Bolas, the pompous British man. Oh, God. Come on, just think of like Peaky Blinders, mate. The musical sound. There you go, yeah. Turning triggers the tumblers of revelation. Perfect. That tumblers is right what we're looking for. Uh, so yeah, this card, Cloud Key Tuck, I'm kind of shocked. We don't see it played in more decks, but I'm assuming it's because it's between three fifty and ten dollars. It's just yeah. like kind of expensive. It's a lot. Um, it did just get reprinted and Time Spiral remastered, so that's why it's gotten down a little low. But yeah, it, it's just really solid. Um, I think that p- the argument would be made that either if you're playing enchantments or if you're more linear in what you're looking for, there might be other cards that are more consistent or do something else. But one thing I really like about this card in here is that I think a lot of people would play it and just name creatures to dump down your creature cost, right? Mm-mm. But I think the actual play is artifacts, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like every artifacts. time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, playing out your mana rocks for one mana less, I mean, that puts a lot of your twos to ones, your threes to one, your threes and lowers. Yep. We'll let you be able to do some stuff with Go some of your rock more fun into stuff. rock into rock into rock. Exactly. And into value train and all that other stuff, which will leave you open mana to maybe activate a few things or be able to play around with it a little bit more like that. Yeah, because like a big thing with this deck, guys, is this is actually a deck that you don't want to have a hand a lot of the time. Yes, right. Because you want to be able to cast Kozilek and get a full seven off of that 10 mana investment. Right. Nothing feels worse than casting Kozilek and drawing two cards. Yep. So being able to reduce all your mana rocks and go rock into rock into rock pass is way better yep. than saying creature and yeah, maybe getting your seven drop down for six, but then you're just passing the turn and you still have three other cards in hand. So. Yeah, I com- completely agree. And also, it's not like in this deck you're going to be playing a lot of stuff at instant speed. So you're kind of like, all right, like everything I have is on the table. Yep. All right, Tuck, what is your next grain? So this is a really fun one um, because it's like, it's really it, it's really cute because it does the two things that this deck needs. It needs ramp you and also can kind of be a removal. So this is one of the few non-Eldrazi creatures in the deck that's a guardian 
of some sort of thing. Here we are. Three, yeah. two, three, two, one. one. Golden Guardian. Guardian. Four colorless artifact creature golem rare. And there is a flip over. Uh, so I'll, let me, I guess I'll read it and then I'll read the flip as well. So it's a four, four defender with two colorless golden guardian fights. Another target creature you control when that golden guardian dies this turn, return it to the battlefield transformed under your control as well. And, the and back I'd of, like, it will right pause ahead. there. Uh, so the, the reason that I run golden guardian in this deck, usually I would say you're going to see this probably played in your aristocrat decks, mm. decks that may have like a death touch type of effect. You know, it, it's some way that you're easily, you know, killing that uh, the golden guardian or you just right. want to be able to kill your own stuff i have it in here because almost all of my creatures are going to have greater than four power and Definitely. toughness so it's basically two mana it dies and turns into the other side yes and the other side is tap two colorless uh you get or tap you get uh two colorless added to your mana pool and then it also has a really strong utility of four colorless tap, create a 4-4 four, four golem cre artifact creature token. It does have a little bit of flavor text, which is another British woman. This is Elizabeth Swan from Pirates of the Caribbean. <clears throat> An army of living gold for the golden city parlay. <laughs> oh, I'm Keira Knightley. So <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah, one thing yeah. to note is that it is add two mana of any one color to oh, your any mana one pool. Color. So Thank you. So Tuck did talk about it earlier, though. So this is important to note. If you have Goldforge Garrison down and you need two colorless for something, this will not produce this will it not for do you. It, right, so right. if you need diamonds, you're not going to get it off of this. But, I mean, we do run 11 actual wastes in the deck, so we <laughs> should never be hurting for you diamonds. You should have it, right. I just wanted to point that out. But yeah, basically, this reads, you're going to do a total of a six mana investment, and then you either get the option of a soul ring or the option of a... Uh, golem factor producer which again i think is really four mana for that cost is pretty low and a lot of times you just need stuff on the board to slow down tokens or a commander even if you know it's just gonna get run underfoot yep totally agree all right well since tuck can't seem to have his own original ideas i think i finally got one that he will not be sharing <laughs> All right, so for my last one, Tuck kind of hit on it. He hit on it that I have a lot of lands and not the land section. <laughs> I actually only have 18 lands in my land section versus the 35 in the deck. So that does mean I have 17 utility lands in here. But here's the issue. Most utility lands make you sacrifice them or destroy them. Oh, sure. So I want ways to be able to reuse my utility lands as often as I possibly can... So Crucible of the Worlds ah, yes. is actually amazing for this deck, even though we're not doing land matters in any way, shape, or form. Right. So Crucible of Worlds, three colorless artifact. It's a rare. The copy I have, low wins, about 40 bucks. Oh, God. Um, you may play land cards from your graveyard as though they were in your hand, and there is some flavor Text. Yes, and it's loading, loading, loading. Oh, also, we did, for those playing the home game, we did finally break through 50 names, so now they're randomly picked by the random name picker. So we got Hannah, the Mad Hatter. I miss the darkest ashes <laughs> grow the strongest seeds, Alice. <laughs> 
Oh god. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So here's here's kind of the cool thing about this. Usually you run Crucible rules in decks where it's like you're trying to get lots of landfall triggers. I don't right. give a shit about any of that. What I do care about though, and Tuck has seen this, and this is where this deck really does flourish, is having Crucible of the Worlds out and having like I don't know, just myriad landscape. landscape. Yep. I literally myriad landscape every other turn. And I'm always mana flooded. I think I've run out of waste in my deck multiple times that I've played. Mm. But the flip side is things like, you know, uh, let's just go... Ah, no one's going to talk about it. Strip mine. Uh, sure. That's in, yeah. a, that's in a hop. So it's been nice because since I'm not in a land matters deck, actually when I have Crucible out there, it's always the person that would be the most destroyed by it that gets the most scared mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everyone yeah. else is very much like all right whatever like that's fine yeah. i guess um so it actually flies under the radar somewhat but if you're gonna do crucible in a non-land matter colorless is about the only way you could do it because you yeah. have the the flexibility to run every single flipping colorless link completely agree and we actually talked about this when we were when you built this the first time around because i think you built this when i had just moved back to kansas city and my first thing my literally the first words on my mouth like you have like 14 wastes in here you should have like four and then you were like no I actually run a lot of ways to tutor for them. I have a lot of ways that the basic land type matters more than yeah. whatever else that the car, that thing could do. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw you play this, that actually came true pretty quickly. Like it, you had all of these different packages that let you go tutor for basics. And if you're only running two or four ways, then all of those are going to be meaningless because you're going to hit them and then you're going to fail to find way faster. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Tuck, give me your last grain. So this is a great card that it's a card that I think we were really excited about when it first got printed. And then it kind of didn't really find a use for our decks. And I do like it a lot in here because it's going to let you build up for some explosive turns down the way. So um, Horizon Zone, five colorless for an artifact. If you would lose unspent mana, that mana becomes colorless instead. And I assume that means you keep it, correct? Yes. Yeah, so it all stacks on here. So there's also a whole long thing here. Okay, thank God. Uh, we have the Kudros, which is a, which is a gimme. Uh, Lisa Kudro coming in hot. <clears throat> Krufitz once dreamed like he traveled beyond the city of the world to like an unfamiliar land, Smelly Cat. Curious, he picked up a rock and awoke to find that it had followed him home from the dreams into reality, friends suck. So I think the big thing here with this, I think the big thing with this thing is as soon as you have this down, this is going to give you something to do, quote unquote, every turn, yeah. right? So even if you, like, because you're not going to, with a few exceptions, you're not really holding up your mana. So if you're like, well, I could cast one card this turn, be completely tapped out and susceptible to some sort of board wipe or removal or whatever the case may be. Now I can just dump all that, put it on Horizon stone and then the turn after have it much more explosive right and yeah. there's cards in here that will let you do this much more efficiently which you may or may not get to here in a little bit but i think for a five man investment in an already heavy artifact deck this is going to really let you catch up and keep up with or at least be in parity with like the green players and people who are playing also a ton of mana rocks as well yeah i agree on all points and the thing that's hurt the most in this deck because i do so many of those utility lands is like we'll just stay with the myriad landscape example you play myriad landscape but it comes in tapped but you don't have anything to use two mana on and so it's like mm -hmm. i mean i guess i'll turn off this turn and essentially my next turn so i'll have to use that two mana so horizon stone actually for a lot of the cards in the deck 
you know, like the uh, myriad landscapes of the world, or even go as bad as like your dreamstone hedrons of the mm -hmm. world. It, it, yeah. it very much turns into, well, I can save the mana for later because I don't have the optimal play right now. You're never going to do anything broken off of it. It's yeah. not like you're generating a bunch of mana on everyone's turn and dumping it into an X spell, mm -hmm. which kind of, I think, I think this deck being colorless and not having black in it or green or even red actually helps it become less threatening almost yeah yeah everyone's scared of eldrazi's but there isn't a you know blue sun zenith that could come out of nowhere right there right right isn't you know like teferi's protection um it, it's just very like i don't know like peanut butter and jelly it's just very simple yeah and I think to I think something that I've noticed a lot recently when I've been playing with the group here, or maybe it's unique to that, but like you almost get a disadvantage for coming out super explosive in like a four player game. I think we've talked about this a little bit, right? Where it's like you're gonna now have the target, not because you're doing things that are crazy, but just because you're doing things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think this deck is gonna be one of those that will be able to sit around for three or four turns, not be interacted with, and start building up for your later turns, unless someone is like super spooked out and just rams into you before you even have your board state sure set. sure so to your point like just sitting around and dumping two mana here three mana here into this thing is going to be this great bank that you'll be able to withdraw from and pump out your big threats when everyone else has kind of depleted their resources or are vulnerable yep you got it yeah well guys that's gonna wrap up the green section now we're gonna head over to the hot profile and tuck why don't you start us off maybe we'll continue this crazy string of unique thoughts what is your first hop card uh so you have a couple of Planeswalkers in here. I thought you didn't have one of them, uh, which was in the uh, grain section, but you, you, you trounced me on that, which I'm, which I'm proud of. I think this is one of the Planeswalkers that you used to like a lot and then had taken it out of your Super Friends deck, if I remember correctly. Hmm. And that's one of the Karns, the OG Karn, hmm. Karn Liberated. Do I need to get the Rattler? No, of course not. Oh, Okay, okay. So, Card Liberated is a seven-drop Planeswalker, which you could play on turn three using your Urza's rigmaroles. Um, target, so, it comes in with six loyalty, and it has three activated abilities. So, plus one, target player exiles a card from his or her hand. So, that's okay-ish in a four-player game. It's not that backbreaking. I imagine what you're really playing it for is the minus three, which is just exile target permanent for yeah. seven, uh, which is pretty strong. Well, and then I if mean, it does, Tuck, think about it. It's basically Scour from Existence. That's yes. I actually I just swapped out Scour from Existence with another card because I was like, wait, I don't need to talk about both of these things because <laughs> uh, it's just it just does it repeatedly. And then if you do plus it two times and yes. it and it doesn't get attacked and you get another turn, you can minus fourteen reset the game, leaving in exile all non aura permanents exiled with card liberated. Then put these cards into the battlefield under your control. I mean, I don't, I'm guessing you've never done that before. So the whole reason I have Karn in this deck and the whole reason I have a couple of them is right when yeah. you got me first into Magic and I was playing in Memphis, I saw at the LGS someone pretty frequently go infinite with Karn and Chainveil. Oh, really? Exile oh, the entire God. board, yeah. then reset the game. Um, and I thought that was so cool. But then, you know, as I became a better Magic player, I was like, oh, well, if I can go infinite, I can actually just win the game, not just restart right. the game. 
so Karn's, you know, it, it's in here because it's colorless. It's a removal, and that's one thing that colorless yep. has an issue of is removal. Uh, very much like right. how black struggles with enchantment removal specifically. Colorless just doesn't have it. So it, it's right. a removal spell, and it is something that, you know, hey, the it's a big planeswalker to where it's going to come in. It's probably going to be at 10 loyalty after one plus one. Mm -hmm. Most of your opponents don't have 10 power to just take out a planeswalker. So yeah. it's usually living a few turns, and I'll tell you, most people, if... It's like, hey, what are you going to do with that? And it's like, I'm just here to, like, keep people honest. I won't do the minus 14. Most people won't yeah. ever hit it. Because it's one of those walkers that it's already at ult range, like, immediately. And do you mm -hmm. really want to invest all your resources to get it to four? Just so it can get yeah, back, and then, and get right back, back up? up. Well, and, and, and to your point, like, people actually probably don't want this to, like... They... How can I say this? Oh, wait, damn it. I just had a thought where it's like, they, hmm, sorry. I, I just completely, I was trying to break. It's something where there's like, there's some sort of opt optimal range in here where it's always like sort of threatening to go to ultimate and then someone knocks it down, but never quite gets there. Cause if you're picking out, I don't know. I can't think, I wait. It's like, if you're picking out other people's hands and exiling permanence, they want it to not ultimate anyway. So yeah, I, I agree. Unless someone plays like, unless someone has like horrible baggage from modern yeah. and they've gotten blown out by this card, they're going to be like, okay, cool. Yeah, you got it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, my first hops card. So a lot of Eldrazi's have a really, really cool effect that when they attack, the opponent has to sacrifice a couple permanents. Sure. But, you know, sometimes uh, there could be things to prevent you from sacrificing. We saw with uh, Frenemy Dan Sigarda. It shockingly became relevant how often we could yeah. make him sacrifice her. But that still goes to the graveyard even. So even if they can sacrifice, maybe they want to sacrifice and it'll just go to the yard. How about we make them exile those permanents instead? So we are going to talk about Bane of Bala Jed. Oh, that's uh, so good. Seven colorless. It's a 7-5 for under a buck. Creature Eldrazi. It's an uncommon. Whenever Bane of Balaged attacks, defending player exiles two permanent he or she controls. And then I got cursed with a paragraph of text. That's a big one. This is, well, you could throw out your voice here, but this is Uta Falconrath, uh, which is the Christian Bale varietal of Batman. They're called in a Balagon. It's ravaged by massive Eldrazi of Olamox lineage. It's lost chuckles and cascading rivers. Reduce to dust. <laughs> how do you feel? How do you feel after that? I feel like throwing up. Your throat, does, does, I was gonna say, does your throat hurt? Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely love this. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna throw up. I halfway do. I'm not even joking. <laughs> so this is basically annihilator. It just instead of making them sacrifice, it's making them put them into exile. Which we've talked about it before. Where there's cards that are like, exile off the top of your opponent's library, and then you may cast that spell. Like, there is power in exiling things that you have no intention of bringing back to the game. Yeah. And so, being able to have a 7-5 body, it's not going to have as big of a butt, which kind of sucks. Um, it doesn't have any type of evasion, which kind of sucks. But it does make them <laughs> exile two permanents. And, you know, you can't ever get tricksy and focus all your hate with this at one person, but make someone else yep. exile the permanents. It has to be the person you're attacking. So, you know, with the small butt, it is going to die eventually. But it'll do some work for seven. I agree. Um, it's really strong. I like this kind of... I don't... Who knows if, when we're going to see Eldrazi again. But I think this is the only one that has this sort of... Yep. Exile Annihilator 
thing. So if we see, I think this is a more fair version of Annihilator to some extent because it's only two and most of them are like four or more. It doesn't have an evasion. So I think this card is really efficient for what it does. Uh, I have recurring nightmares because if I remember for, if I remember correctly, enemy of the cast Mikhail had a brutalclad deck where he'd make like fifteen of these things <laughs> and then swing out for you. Horrifying, absolutely horrifying. Seems like most of your horrifying stories of uh, the Kansas City playgroup when you first moved here and first played with yes, Mikhail. Literally, it was like the first time we played. Uh, he played like one fun deck and it was just all downhill from there. It's all downhill, downhill from, from here. here. Who's all that? New Found Glory. I think so. Yeah. What's your uh, second hops card? All right. So this one's kind of basic. Um, I and this was kind of this was kind of hard to choose for me because there is so many different. There's a lot of options in here that do the same thing, um, and I'm still like, I gotta go with my. I guess I gotta go with my gut here because originally I was gonna talk about Scar from Existence, um, but instead I want to bring up a card that I don't know if we've talked about. Uh, it is a ramp card, but also like Karn does something else. So it's an obelisk. That might be a little shaky. So Unstable Obelisk is super efficient removal on a good mana rock. So some people would say it's better mana lift. <laughs> Three colorless for uh, an artifact. Uh, it's an uncommon for about 10 cents. It has tap, add one mana to your mana pool. That's a colorless or a diamond. So there you go. And then seven, sacrifice it, destroy target permanent. And we do have some flavor text. Hold please while it loads. Thanks, class. Uh, big shout out to our sponsors, classtools.net, uh, for giving us this terrible wheel that just gets completely pummeled by the internet because it's designed by a bunch of morons. But here we are. Um, okay, we got Garuk Wildspeaker, uh, which is a young rock. So I'm trying to think, is this from the TV show Young Rock or just like when he was still wrestling? Still wrestling. Still wrestling. Okay, so... <sighs> Its collapse is like the beleffing of a long-dead civilization that resents being forgotten! <laughs> so yeah, I, I was lashing, laughing. not laughing. Oh, what did I say? Laughing? It'd be real weird if uh, the oh collapse God. is like the laughing out of a long-dead civilization that resents being forgotten. Like, <laughs> we hate being forgotten. That's way darker, yeesh. So, um, like I said, I think this is a card that is probably criminally underplayed. You just said yourself yeah. that there's a lot of things that deal with, you know... Uh, Having troubles with artifacts, having trouble with enchantment, how like having trouble with creatures destroying them, and this is being any a land for God's sakes, right? This is the yeah. fact that for the same amount of money or same amount of cost as your unstable obelisk at all, this card's gonna do the same thing, and you don't even have to use it, right? It's still on curve as a mana rock. It comes into play untapped. Just tons of utility out of this ten cent card. Yeah, no, you hit everything on the head. Uh, it's this. It's mana lift mana. Yep. reduces mana but has an alternate uh, effect so right um I, I don't think i would run this in a three color or more deck but i think two nah, color yeah. or less i would probably do it yeah totally agree especially if it's like um black blue or something like that where you just don't have any sort of you can bounce stuff but don't have a lot of destroy so yeah, yeah so so pretty meat potatoes much like this deck like you're just saying or pea, peanut butter and jelly if you will mm. well my second card uh so Part of this deck is I'm going to be discarding. That's how I counter. Yeah. I, I can't really do my strategy if other people are making me discard. So oh, this is sure. a land that I think does not see a lot of play. No. Uh, but it could if you are in a heavy discard play group. 
Nefalia Academy. It's a land that taps for a diamond. Uh, it's an uncommon, and it states if a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard a card. You may reveal that card and put it on top of your library instead of putting it anywhere else. And we have a net new voice provided yes. by Hamburger Demon Poop. Uh, and do you know, have you ever seen Requiem for a Dream? I haven't. I looked okay. at the YouTube video yesterday. Isn't this just basically like a frazzled old woman? Yeah, it's like an old woman that's addicted to like speed or something like that. She like takes these like weight loss pills and then like slowly loses her mind. So like there's a lot of shaking, a lot of teeth grinding, that sort of thing. So this is Sarah Goldfarb from Requiem for a Dream. Great pick, Hamburger Demon Poop. Read by Yora Academy Researcher. May knowledge be our sanctuary. Yeah, it's hard. That's a tough one. That's a real. That's a. That's a real tough one, especially if you've never seen it before. So, uh, <laughs> very disturbing movie, by the way. Nefalia Academy, Nefalia Academy. It's it's very generic. Yeah. It's not going to. Oh my god, the deck's unlocked. But you cannot have the uh, uh, wheel mm -hmm. deck. You cannot have the reduced hand size deck reducing your card availability because you're already doing that On own, yeah. by countering stuff. So you got to have a way very similar to uh, how I needed to figure out a way to do that to myself in my Garza's old deck with that right, 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 right. in the game. How do I discard, but not really mm -hmm. discard? And I think the other thing too, is that it's for each card that's discarded, right? So for example, if someone does wheel you and you're like, I really need, and you have, let's say you have five cards in your hand, right? You're like, well, I actually really need these three, but I'm okay getting two fresh new ones, right? So I'll go ahead and discard the two, yep. put these three back on top, draw those three, and then draw the two off of it. Uh, so yeah, I think I it doesn't, do you feel that there's another deck that you can think of off the top of your head that you would put this in outside, unless unless you were playing a, car, a, a meta that was just fraught with card wheels and that sort of stuff, right? No. Yeah. No, I can't think of a single deck. I mean, maybe I would slot this in my Lord Windgrace deck just because it is land yeah. matters and I can have more flexibility for non-color-producing mm. lands, but that's probably even Yeah, I agree. And I think, but I think the fact that it comes in untapped, there's no disadvantage to running this. There's no, even if you're, even if you're trying to keep a lot of wastes in, for me, it's an easy thing. This is a valuable ability, doesn't come into play tapped, taps for a diamond. Well, it's to your point, Tuck. A lot of people run Reliquary oh, yeah. when they're not in a deck that's drawing 15 mm -hmm. cards a turn. So if you're not in a deck that's constantly doing that, I mean, there might be an argument. I might be actually convincing myself. <laughs> there might be an argument that you run to Folly Academy if you're running Reliquary Tower in a deck. Yeah. Even if you're in a play group that doesn't do with discard, because yeah, why if you not? Get, if you have a handful of 15 and someone wheels you, then you're like, all right, well, I can't do anything. Like, Reliquary Tower doesn't help me here. So I, I kind of like it. All right, all right. I like where your head's at. And 22 cents. Yeah. That's pretty cheap. Yeah, you have one of these lying around. Uh, that's 10% of the price of Reliquary Towers. So there, you, there go. you go. All right, Tuck, give us your last top card. I think you're going to yell at me about this one. Because <laughs> I think in the past, I've gotten very angry over this card. I have started to warm up to it a little bit more. And for me, this is probably one of, if not the best cards in the deck for disrupting your opponents. And it's a big boy. And it's going to make people very angry because okay. it's going to winnow some voids. It's going to be your void winner. Oh. <laughs> I'm, 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 op I'm opening up to it. I'm opening up to it. So nine colorless for an Eldrazi creature that's a mythic. Nine dollars, which makes sense because I think it's played fairly often in Commander. Uh, it's 11-9. That's your why it makes sense. Can't cast 
nine dollars yes. yeah, because it's a nine cost with a nine toughness. Oh, nine, 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 nine. Gonna work in this deck. Uh, so your opponents can't cast spell with even converted mana costs. Uh, zero is even in this case, which is hysterical. But more importantly, your opponents can't block with creatures with even converted mana costs. And uh, I did a little research in the voice list here. We do have an Obnix list, which is good. The bad news is it's one I'm really bad at, which is Oberyn Martell from yes! Game of Thrones. So, um, okay. <clears throat> He's like swarthy Spaniard. You killed my Antonio sister. Banderas. You killed my daughter. Yeah. Have you ever seen a wizard fall to his knees? That's a world Watch fall to his knees. And learn. No way. Oh you my god, what is wrong today. with me? So here's the best part. My it's already zoomed to 110% on on the page. So I guess I gotta go a little higher. And he's that. like, you wanna know something even better? The page, it's on a six-inch screen. So literally that 110% is just the flavor text. Before we get into this, I realized that if I do, if I actually am working and not wearing my glasses, my eyesight gets significantly worse for like the rest of the day. So I'm just an idiot. It's not like my it's not like I have it's not like I don't have three pairs of glasses in this house. <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to Void Winterer. It's so if you, I think the two things that this deck is really going to suffer through is going to be removal decks, spell slingers, magic, um, and. And then uh, tokens. Oh, right? okay. Like the to the token strategy, because it is so fast. Granted, if you're playing in a table that aren't also playing token decks, people are going to have board wipes. But the fact that this is going to turn off token decks from blocking you is so critical and is going to block out your mana drains, your counter spells, yeah. your arcane denials, your uh, memory lapses, your remands, right? There's just so much that goes into it. And I think when people first see this come out, they're like, yeah, whatever, right? Like, okay, fine. That, I don't care about that. It's even. So what? But then you look at like people's lists and you're like, oh, that's like where all my removal is. Yep. That's where all my utility artifacts are in. Like there's a lot, a lot of cards that are important to decks that fit into that even mana cost, even at like the two drops, two drop space. I mean, that thinking is like a lot of times why I make the argument for Sword of Feast and Fame and why it's so good. Yeah. Because green has a lot of uh, permanent removal. Black has permanent removal. Yep. Um, so, you know, on top of actually protecting your creature from removal, you get all the other benefits. Same thing with this. It's like, yeah, I'm like, I mean, look at it any way you want. Oh, primarily I'm slowing down the tokens because you guys can't block and possibly can't even play some of the cards like Anointed Procession. Sure. Because uh, that's an even cost. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then the added benefit is you can't counter me remove me or if you want to flip-flop it whichever way you look at it void winner is so incredibly powerful and no this is not platinum angel level of restriction uh <laughs> at all even though technically if we want to get technical i mean just if you know if we want to go there platinum angel only shuts down 20 percent of magic void winner shuts down 50 percent of magic oh this seems like more of a feel bad card than uh sure, sure than sure. a good old iona got it got it got it yeah i'm here with you all right so my last one um, is another boring one, but I like it in this deck because yep. it ties with Crucible of the World, and it's going to hurt an opponent, but no one will ever stop you from doing this, which is interesting. Field of Ruin. Land. Ah, okay, I was wondering which one you're gonna go. Like. Uncommon taps to add a colorless or two taps sack it destroy target non basic land and opponent controls. Each player searches his or her library for a basic land card, puts it onto the battlefield, and shuffles his or her library. So, there's always going to be someone with a non-basic at the table. And considering three-quarters of the table is truly ramping, 
That's why I said you're only going to have a 25% chance that this ever stops. Like, if you just mm-hmm. have this in Crucible of the Worlds and that's all you're doing, no one's ever going to care. Um, I've done this at games where I've done the Field of Ruin strip mine lockdown with Crucible of Worlds. Oh, yeah. And it's, I don't know what the perception is. It's just the deck being colorless. People aren't that scared of it versus if it had green in it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's super efficient. It's super cheap. Um, I think we've talked before in the past that like every deck should have a graveyard removal. Every deck should have a land removal, even if it is just stapled onto a land. And I think Field of Ruin, to your point, is one of the better ones because it's net, it's net zero, right? Yep. And back again to your counter argument to my like waste i guarantee if i played this in my colorless deck i'd fail to find after using it once uh, maybe twice you know what i mean so yeah. having that stack of waste is so good when you're going to do this over and over and over again with your crucible fair enough all right guys well that's going to wrap up the hop section and now we're going to head over to the yeast and how the deck wins i know me and tuck have aligned on a few of these this one's first in the list and it's probably my favorite aura in all of magic so, I am talking about Eldrazi Conscription. I absolutely love this card. Eight colorless tribal enchantment, Eldrazi Aura. It's a rare for 13 bucks. Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus 10, plus 10, and has Trample and has Annihilator 2, which is the sacrifice that many permanents to the uh, blocking opponent. And who is going to sound like this Conscription? You got your Eily High Priestess of the Eternal Pilgrims, who's our old pal who I just saw in a documentary, Lannis Morissette. And how does that sound again? It's like, rain on your wedding day, it's a street ride. All right. Um, All right, hold on. Okay, hold no, on, no, hold on, hold on. on. Keep... I, think, I think I got I'm, it. Let's just, let's just see say, if I'll I can make do you it. Do, I, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> hold on. I, 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 think I, I, think I think I have got it. it. Okay. Give okay. me a shot. Okay. All right. The Barristess! Beldrazi Perishers, both realms of identities. Yeah, very good. Right. Yeah, totally, totally there. So all right, all right. It, it, it is eight, <laughs> and you might be saying, Mr. Combo, that seems like a lot to put onto your tin drop just to try to one-shot someone. You're absolutely right, and that's not why it's in the deck. The reason it's in the deck is because it's cute, and it's an Eldrazi, and there's lots of Eldrazis. <laughs> but really, the second thing is that I do have creatures in the deck that eventually it's going to hit a point in the game where they are just so outclassed that it's going to feel bad playing your Kozilek's Channeler. That's a 4-4 four, for four, 5, but that's sure, just basically yeah, yeah. Soul Ring on a creature. Um, so at least Eldrazi Conscription allows me to take those 5-10, to 10, let's just call them 5 power or less creatures later in the game and make them relevant like a Kozilek or an Ulamog. So... I think it's cute. I know you have a soft spot in your heart for this card. And I do like that fact that you can always staples on something else. I And it's just such a beating, right? Trample, Annihilator, like everything you want. I will end up being cutting this card. Just like you said, because you, this card, I, I don't think... So wait, Tuck, hold on. Yes. Would you not run for eight colorless a 10-10 with Trample and Annihilator 2 if it was just a, like a normal old Eldrazi? I feel like you would. That you would say that's on curve or above curve. I would. I just don't like the fact that this is going to be a... You're paying eight mana, and you're, you're going to get two for one on this every single time. And I don't think it's going to help your commander as much as another card that I'm about to talk about, which I think is the better version of this card mm. in this deck, particularly. Mm. Mm. Then be fighting words, but all right. I know. Hey, hey. 
I thought I thought I was gonna sneak this next one under your nose as well, but you beat me to the punch on it as well, and you made you made me really proud building this deck because I thought I'd found some sneakers in here that uh, you might or may not be talking about. But the better version of this, because you can slap it on a lot of bigger things, even if one of them dies, yeah. is one of your few equipments in here. Yes, it is. That maybe has a matrix around yes, it. Yes, it does. And we're not talking about Canoe Reeves here. Ready? Three, Three. two, one. He, he drawn, drawn matrix. matrix. Woo! Four colors. Four colorless artifact equipment rare. Uh, okay, Suck fair it. enough. I, 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 I was gonna let you. I was gonna let you run me over here. All right. <clears throat> Here's your matrix. Says equipped creature gets plus X plus X, where X is its converted mana cost, and it has equipped four. It also has a litany of flavor text that we're gonna be reading through. Now, Tuck, I might make a recommendation. hundred and fifty percent zoom. Oh, that's not a bad. That's not a bad idea. Uh, hold on, I have to redo this because it just crashed. So <laughs> hold, please. Thank you again to our sponsor, ClassTools.net. Uh, they have a whole lot of useful stuff. If you're an ESL teacher and can't get any sort of access to the internet in China, pretty sure it gets through that. Whew, thank God. Uh, this is going to be <laughs> Dovin, the mumble coach from Waterboy. Hashtag Dovin sucks. <clears throat> There you go. There you go. I mean, I guess what do you got what do you gotta do on it? I think that you're you're relying on a lot of your big boys in the yeast section here to close the game out, right? Oh yeah. And I think this being able to go from creature to creature to creature, and if that creature dies, you can put it on something else, makes it better than your conscription varietal. Even though it costs the same amount of mana to equip the first time. Which I understand is a cruel irony in this deck. And the fact and that it doesn't choice. even get Annihilator or Trample. Fine, fine. But most of the ones that you're going to be slapping it onto will have some varietal of that already. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're right. Hedron Matrix would suck to put on my Kozilek's Channeler, but would be great to put on my... True. Uh, you know... Uh, Bane, 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 Bane of Balagad. Yeah, or Bane of Balagad. There you go. So yeah, no, Hedron Matrix is amazing. I mean, I've, it's I've put yeah. it on Kozilek and one-shotted people many times. So, do you think this is worth? Is there another deck that you would run this in, like CMC six plus as, tribal? As I'm trying you were to think. Talking about it, I started running through my head, like, okay, yeah, I probably have more equipment decks than other people in our play group. What other deck would I consider this in? Right, I don't think I have one to be honest. Well, and I think it's like to your to that point. The if you're running an equipment deck, the point is to have super efficient, low costed creatures that you then slap the equipment onto. Yeah. So this doesn't really make a lot of sense in that. Like, this doesn't make sense to equip on your three-drop commander when you can just do... I mean, think about it. on Warhammer, right? completely unplayable in Rograk. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible on that. It's horrible. Hey, do you want to pay four and equip four for a zero-zero? Just think of the value. The value! Just think of the value. All right. Um, (laughs) Well, I only have one left. And this one, I like it. Because we all know what Menace is. Well, how about when you have to be blocked by three? And it also has Annihilator 3. We're talking about Pathracer of Ulamog. Uh, This is a cool 11 drop that is a 9-9. And it does uh, Creature Eldrazi, Annihilator 3, so you got to sack three permanents uh, to the blocker. And then uh, it can't be blocked except by three or more creatures. And it does have some flavor text. Okay, and we are coming up on... Yold Professor of Crypto Religiosity, which is the Oprah, uh, Oprah Man. Adam Sandler's fame. Oh, Opera Man. 
I was like, or Opera, Opera, Opera Man. Man. What, when did Adam what Sandler do blackface? I, I think I would have heard about that. And he would have been canceled by now. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen the Jimmy Fallon doing an impression of Chris yes, Rock I, in blackface? I saw that a long time ago. Oh, it's, it's so bad. But the funny thing is Chris Rock was even like, I don't care. Whatever. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I got, bigger, right. I, got bigger, I got bigger fish to fry. So do I just sing like an overly obnoxious opera singer? Yeah, like an opera guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it is an 11 drop, so it's very expensive, but it is a 9. It's going to take out three permanents, and they're going to have to throw three creatures in the way if they want to kill it. Mm -hmm. So it's probably your most efficient red zone yeah. creature in the deck. Yeah, um, and it's still $3 for whatever reason. Completely agree. Like, Extra Menace, this is be a great another great target for Hedron Archive to put this thing up to a 20, 2020. For four mana, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. They already killed your commander. You get him out. Uh, it's just a beating. All these different guys are just so strong. Gotta have them in the deck, but hopefully you can get around to casting them. Ah, you almost had it. It's like you gotta have them all, but hopefully you get around to catching them all. Oh, oh damn on. it! You got you got Just you got me licked today. Something's wrong with my brain. All right, Tuck. Well, you got two left. Why don't you give it to us? Uh, we're gonna go with the fun one and then the boring one. And I do. I am gonna have to get the name picker rolling before I go to it. Uh, I want to know how early in the deck building it that you put in Emrakul the Promised End. The very beginning. Okay, very good. I'm proud of you because some people think it's a little too cute, but I disagree. So oh, it's extremely. cute. It's so good but though. You, I mean, you kind of have ah. Uh, there's, there's. Look, if it if it wasn't so powerful on the body, it would have been in the spice section. But it's so powerful on the body. There's arguments we made. So Emrakul the Promised End is a thirteen, thirteen for thirteen. That's a mythic that costs four times thirteen. Nope, damn, so close on that. Uh, it's about forty two dollars, and it's a legendary creature Eldrazi, and it says Emrakul the Promised End costs one less to cast for each card type among cards in your graveyard, which is great for all your fetch lands and all that sort of thing to lower that down. When you cast Emrakul, you gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. After that turn, that player takes an extra turn. Downer, but what are you going to do? Flying, trample, protect it from instance. It's going to punch you right in and around the nose. And there is a little bit of flavor text here by Nyrex, the Slip Finger Master Thief, which is Kermit the Frog. Or also, I watched a lot of New Girl when I was recovering from my week in Chicago. Also kind of sounds like Jessica Day. An enigma is mixing as life itself. I'm Kermit. Where's Miss Piggy? Kermit the Pug here. God, it's so much better. Uh, I can see your point on the spice because if you're going to play this card to its most efficient, you need ways to prevent people from taking extra combats or taking the extra turn, rather. But the fact that you can still dictate them, tap them down, screw with them, at least make them discard a card, maybe, make some bad blocks into you. Tapping them down doesn't do anything because they just get a turn after that. I know, I know, I know. But you can like, you can tap, like you can like rampant growth, fail to find, attack all your creatures into your Eldrazi, oh, kill them. Sure, it's sure. it's cute, it's cute, but it's not near as backbreaking as it could be in other decks. But still, I think in this deck you have to have this in here, like another great Hedron Matrix target, right, with the trample and the flyings and all that. Curious, you rather this Eldrotha? Uh, I've thought about it. Because you can cast uh, it from I, the graveyard, it would cost it would cost seven less most of the time. Yeah. Or no, true. I guess it wouldn't be. It'd be five less because you wouldn't have instants or sorceries in there, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's I just that's actually, a primal surge deck. Yep. 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 
Uh, I run this in my current Vile Smasher deck because that has all sorts of things, and being able to plot this out for 13 and shotgun someone in the face for it is a little, a little cute. I, w- I was more thinking of the, uh, as you sacrifice this, it goes to the graveyard, you then cast it with Malrotha. Oh, get it, ba- get it back and then, and then you do it again, and then you basically yeah. just lock you just people take out every, of the game. You take everyone's turn yeah. for the rest of the game. <laughs> turn it into like a true Mind like Flayer deck. Uh, but yeah, no, Ibercool, it's, it's a fine card. Yeah. If you... Didn't get a 13-13 with Flying Trample Protection from Instance and probably only casting it for, let's just call it 8. Yeah. And taking control of someone else's turn, it would be a spice. But it's like, even with just the Flying Trample Protection from Instance 13-13, if it didn't have the middle part, I would still have it as a yeast because it's still a badass card. Yeah. And um, there's just too much on it to consider it not a game-breaking type of uh, yeah. effect. Comple- completely agree on that. It was my commander, my uh, RIP colorless deck as well. So it's got a, a definitely a special place in Big Tuck's cold, dead heart. All right. Well, Tuck, what is your last yeast card? Uh, we have another ginormous Eldrazi. You're only 12 drop in the deck. If that betrays, uh, we can go through this one pretty quick. Uh, $15. <laughs> Why are these all so expensive? Uh, well, this one's expensive because it can actually steal, steal commanders. Yeah. Oh, good point. Um, so... 12 mana for an 11-11 Annihilator 2, and we didn't talk about Annihilator somehow. I guess on uh, Eldrazi. No, we did Yeah, yeah we talked about it. We're good there. Uh, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. And uh, we do have a little quick bit of flavor text here, which is the Nature Tour guide uh, that my I still have nightmares from when I was a child. Uh, and here we go. <clears throat> and if you look to the right of the card, you'll see a giant Eldrazi monster. It's currently taking control of my brain and telling me to tell you, your pleas for death shall go unheard. Oh my god, yes. I just noticed the uh, art of the chick on the, or the person on the left. Yeah, with the arrow they through the throat. arrow through the throat. <laughs> their soul is leaving their eyeballs. It's Good bleak. God. It's a bleak one. It's very bleak. I think this works in a lot of different ways. 11-11 Annihilator is good enough on its own, right? That's that's insanely strong in and of itself. But I think there, especially with like Innistrad coming up, there's there's a lot of Sacrifice Matters decks, right? Like Moldrotha, for example. This card would destroy that deck. Like, I think that, I don't know if I could beat this in there, right? Aristocrats, Mono Black decks, Vampires, Zombies that are going to be super popular. There's going to be a lot of Fetch things. Lands. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? Um, it is a huge price point to get out, but once you do, this is definitely one of the more game warping, uh, beaters in the deck on top of it, just being just this giant, horrible monster. That's unstoppable. Yeah, you're completely right. There was actually a game where I had it that betrays out and someone else had butcher of Malakir. Oh, and I was, God. and I was actually able to like work and stack the triggers in a way that I still kept everything yep. at the end of it. Nice. It was awesome. That's amazing. It was so cool. So yeah, it's a betrays, absolutely game warping. It's this is a card that I think you could make an argument if you're in a slower meta, it's kind of a standard mm. for EDH decks. Mm-hmm. If you're in that more battle cruisery yes. type land yes, where yes, a twelve yes. drop can be cast because you're doing that longer game. Yep. I get it, $15 is a lot of money, but man, having an If That Betrays in your decks is going to be so, so powerful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're not in that battle cruisery style, then it does need to be in the right deck. Mm-hmm. Yep, I completely agree with that. Um, see, also, uh, the one where it enters the battlefield and you get a creature back from your graveyard. I can't remember what that's called off the hand. Artisan of Kozilek, I yep. think. So, uh, yes, agreed, agreed on that point. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the E section. Now we're going to head over to the uh, Spice and Big Tuck, what do you got? 
There's one card in here that struck fear in every pre-release player, every standard player, and every modern player for the second year that I played Magic, which is when Battle for Zendikar first came out. And I played against someone that had two of these in their pre-release, and I couldn't, they, no one could beat them. They were unstoppable. It's a lowly four drop, and it's not as great in a four-player format, but still well worth having in the deck. Thought, not seer. Ooh, it's spooky, Eldrazi. Yeah, I remember this just owning in the Pro Tour. It's it's unreal. Um, three colorless and uh, another diamond. Another colorless. This is, I, I hate it so much. For one set, they threw off everything for the rest of Magic with no... Around. So it's a creature. It's still five dollars. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a four four for four, so right on curve. Um, when it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it and exile that card. Then when it leaves the battlefield, uh, target opponent draws a card. I, so in some way, this is like reverse solemn simulacrum. Yeah. Right? You go grab something, but and I think some people are like, oh, commander's a four-player format. You know, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. The fact that it's not discarded, it's exiled. There's going to be someone that has tutored, that has been drawing a gazillion cards, that is that is going to be wanting to use one of their cards from their hand to win the game. And you're going to be able to, I think you and I have been playing long enough where we can pretty much telegraph that from a decent distance away. And this just being able to rip it out unconditionally that leaves you a body and then an opponent drawing a card is meaningless. So... It's definitely a spice because it doesn't really further the game. You can't win with it, but it does have that. It does have that interaction piece into it, which I think is very valuable in a deck, with colorless deck that has no interaction outside of a handful of cards. Yeah. So uh, this is on the cutting block. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. No, it's it's for four mana. It's, it's too it's cute. Too specific mm. to leave in the deck. Yeah. I mean, at least sad robot. I'm, which I noticed I don't even have in the deck. Yeah, I was wondering uh-huh. about that. <laughs> yeah. At least with Sad Robot, I'm netting a land and a card for four. Yeah. This, I'm only netting... I'm not even netting a card. I'm actually... Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going down a card, netting my opponent zero. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, it's funny, Tuck. I was just sitting here thinking at my degenerate self. Uh, infinite combo with Thought Not Seer and uh, any type of blink. You just oh yeah! Infinitely, you yeah. you literally could you would end your turn with your opponents having drawn their entire deck and only having lands in their hand. <laughs> is this the is this the backup to? Oh, I can't even put it in Brea yet. Damn it! That's a backup. Look, guys, I promise I won't go infinite with Brea. All right, thought not here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my spice isn't as sexy as as Tux. Um, it's kind of meat and potatoes. But I have it in Spice because it's one of my utility lands. Mm. I think this card is really good. It just needs to be, like, the payoff. needs. To, I need to be happy no matter what. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Haunted Fingraph, I think, is one of those potential cards. It's a land. It taps to add a colorless. It's only a dime. Uh, but three colorless taps, sack it, return a creature card at random from my graveyard to my hand. So yeah. It is nice because it is two-hand. This is actually one of the few decks you don't want it to be straight to the battlefield because I want to get cast triggers off the Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. But the at random, like, it's going to feel real bad. You know, I just keep beating up on it. But uh, Kozilek's Channeler over Ulamog, the Infinite Yire. 
Like, that's that's really going to suck. And I get it. Every deck is going to have duds yep. for something like this. I think the issue that I have with this deck is I don't really have a middle. I don't really have yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, a yes, midsection. Yes. It's mm -hmm. either we are very high-end with seven drops with backbreaking effects or 13 13s or we're very very low end where it's a mana dork i don't right, have right. a lot of the in-between so i think if i had more in between i think this would probably just be in the grain section but i think for spice it may have a home yeah yeah yeah. i got i got you yeah if you played this in a four color deck i would be like you're out of your damn mind right but to your point there's there's it, it, here's another thing. If it came into play tapped, I would even then be like, "Yeah." In this build, is a waste better? But the fact that it comes into play untapped, you do have creatures that matter. There's no downside to it, right? Like, yeah, uh, plays into Crucible of Worlds, right? That's like your your sub theme to it. So I I would put this. I see where you're at with the spice. Um, I almost think that this would be potentially like a hops pick i guess it just depends on how many how often you think you're gonna monster mash your own graveyard right yeah uh, and there was a little bit of flavor text that you missed but i'm gonna give you a hint you will not need to read it with this voice hold over hold over, hold over, hold over. it was pikachu but sure same thing no it's same thing <laughs> same, same, same idea i was gonna i was the next clue is gonna be it is in fact a pokemon well, guys, that's going to wrap up the spice section. Now we head into the bottle capping. And as a reminder, these are going to be big text and ice cuts and ads to the deck that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no-budget ad. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. All right. Uh, I'm going to start this off with my under $5. Okay. Thought not seer going bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, just just kind of talked about it. It's, it's just a little too specific. And I think if it was cheaper or if there was even a way that, like, I could pay its casting cost and be able to bounce it back to my hand to maybe oh, be able sure. to reuse it, then, okay, okay, oh. I, I, I can see a, a little bit, but it just doesn't have anything, so. If it was six or five, like, if it, what if it was a, a five, five for five, and it said each opponent? Probably it's still, still want to run it in this deck yeah. because I'm not doing enough ETB stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be able to at least do it again for five. Yeah. That's and because my deck isn't that'd be kind of like me running Alter the Brood in a deck where I only play like a handful of permanents. I get like, you. Yeah. Well, I guess. All right. So here's what we're gonna add though. Brand new card. Ooh. Quasi hot off the presses. Eye of Vecna. Oh, okay. Two yeah, colorless. Okay. This was legendary this was, artifact. Yeah, yeah. You can pick one up for under fifty cents, or I can get the version twenty fourth. 243A, that's apparently $72. $72. Good God. Um, when I have Vecna enters the battlefield, I draw a card and lose two life. Yeah. So basically, I pay two, two life, I net a card. Okay. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay two colorless if you do draw a card and you lose two life. Now I get it. Mr. Combo's very anti overpaying for card draw. And to me, this is still overpaying for card draw because I'm paying. Two mana, two, two life, life to get a and a card slot in my deck to net one card. But go with me here. Tuck has talked about it a few times where it's like, if I don't seem to get my commander out, I just kind of fizzle. The reason is my commander is my card draw engine. It's yep. what enables me to draw cards. Where I usually stall is when I keep those risky hands. I get a, I get a couple mana just to get started, but I never see another mana rock or I never yep. see another mm -hmm. land. So I'm looking at Eye of Vecna is I can cut Thought Not Seer that's only going to put one opponent down one card for a temporary time until they draw another. 
off of Thought Knots here. Yeah. Or I, for the same mana investment, I'm actually going to draw two cards myself. So I don't know how sweaty this is to you, <laughs> Tuck, but I, I feel I have Vecna makes a lot of sense in here when I need at least one other way to draw cards somewhat on demand. I think you had me sold from the time you said the card, to be honest with you, because we just talked about how a lot of times you're going to be like, oh, I play a mana rock. Pass. Nothing to do, right? Even when you untap, yeah. you're like, I, I got nothing to do with it anyways, right? Next turn, I'm going to play two more mana rocks and have two mana floating or whatever. So I, I know that you're against this. And I think a good comparison to this would be Mind's Eye, right? Where mm -hmm. Mind's Eye is completely dependent on other players. You're, you're not playing it at sorcery speed. Or you're playing at sorcery speed for this deck, right? So the fact that you have the choice to dump the mana into it, you have the fact that it's an artifact which plays into your other stuff, right? It might even come out even cheaper than it already is. I'm sold on Ivecta in this deck big time, right? People are going to be attacking you. Your life total effectively doesn't matter in this deck. So yeah. it's, a very, it's, it's, it's about as efficient as you can get in this deck for it. But that's actually a fair question. Would you rather run Mind's Eye or if I have Vecna? A Vecna all day. Okay. Because it's because okay. it replaces itself immediately and you can, can dictate the pace of when you want to do it, right? I think Mind's mm -hmm. Eye is really good when you have a pile of mana over, but by the time you're getting down to your five drops, that's when you want to start hitting your Eldrazi's, your bigger artifacts, your removal stuff. So the fact that this can come down turn one off a Soul Ring or a Mana Crypt, yeah. and now you have something to do every turn that's okay. going to keep you going, I'm, I'm here for it. Sweet. Well, Tuck, what's your under $5? I'm kind of cheating here because I want your opinion on this one because I, I don't know if it works because this card was one I had in mind. What do you think about Quicksilver Amulet in this deck? So four colorless for an artifact, four colorless tap. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. It doesn't cast. Mm -hmm. So that... I, I know you have all the you have all the titans that care about casting. Yeah. And, and I looked at your creature list, and you don't have that many. You have the top end ones, but you have so many mana rocks. Do you think that this is just inefficient what for what you're you trying cutting? to do? I this is just a general question. Oh. This is just a general. Um, I, I I wouldn't run it. Yeah. In the deck. Too slow. Um. Yeah. It's it's more because the the super top end I want to cast almost cast, yep. all of them. Agreed. And uh, like we just talked about, the deck's either very low to the ground or very high to the ceiling. So yeah. where Quicksilver Amulet could be helpful in that middle section, especially for some flash speed shenanigans, mm -hmm. I, th I think I'm already going to be like blown past that yeah. and I need to be focused on other stuff. I completely agree with you. Um, I learned my lesson the hard way when I actually had this in my Eldrazi deck and dropped down Kozlik, uh, your commander, hoping to draw some cards. And they're like, oh, that doesn't work. And I was like, well, that was a waste of $8. Yep. All right. <laughs> I guess we're good here. Uh, so I, I I also talked about this card I'm cutting. I'm cutting Eldrazi Inscription, like I said said i think that hedron matrix is just a better varietal of that i don't think you need it as much but one thing that i think you've done very well in here is you've chosen very specifically to have your mana rocks have utility stapled onto them right so a lot of times your mana rocks could be a removal could be a draw spell could be that sort of thing uh also fresh off the presses i think that moon silver key is going to help you find those things that you need like crazy. Um, so it's a two colorless, so you're dropping your CMC off this by six, which is quite a bit. It's an artifact, colorless tap, sacrifice it. Search your library for an artifact card with the mana ability or basic land card. Reveal it and put it in your hand and then shuffle. So even though it's not to battlefield, which is fine, this is going to let you go find a waste if you need one. Or if you need to draw some cards, you can go get your Hedron Matrix or Hedron Archive, right? If you need your removal, you can go get your Unstable Obelisk. Because you are running so many and have the choice of running so many different mana 
rocks. This is really going to help you out in a pinch if you just need to get, you know, your Worn Power Stone, Soul Ring, whatever the case may be, or one of these removal or draw spells. This is going to give you the flexibility to go and do that. Yeah, eh, it's fine. You know, that's actually been one of the cards that from Forgotten Ro or uh, from uh, Innistrad, uh, yeah. that, yeah, Midnight, whatever, Midnight Hunt. Uh, that everyone's very excited about. A lot of people are, you know, talking this card up a lot. I just haven't been that excited about really? it. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. Huh. Just, it's very blah to me. Um, also, hot take, just the worse, worser of the pair Moonsilvers. I think I'd rather have Moonsilver Spear than Moonsilver Key. Oh, get those angels. Those Angeles. Angele. Angele. All right, what's your under 50? Under 50. Cut and Deceiver of Form. Sorry. Just... No. Uh, which one is Six that? Six colorless diamond. Oh, Creature sure, Eldrazi. Yeah. Uh, it's from Oath. It's a rare. It's an 8-8. Eight, eight, so it is a big boy. At the beginning of combat on your turn, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card is revealed this way, you may have creatures you control other than Deceiver of Form become copies of that card until end of turn. You may put that card on the bottom of your library. Here's why I want to cut it. On its surface, it sounds extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. And it is... If everything can become copies of Bane of Balagad. Sure. But when they become copies of my Eldrazi's, or sorry, my Eldrazi's, my legendaries. Yeah, your Titans. That's when it just destroys my board. Now, it is a yeah. May effect, so I don't have to do it. But there have been more times or not with Deceiver of Form that I flipped over the top card, and it's a 2-2, or it's a legendary. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you don't even have evasion of your own. So you offered me nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can see that for sure. Is uh, kind of cool. I think uh, it's also a fairly new card from Strixhaven. Wait We're a minute. Put in the old. Is it happened to be lost? lost? Yeah, yeah, we are. Wow. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, before we go to mine, Tuck, what are you cutting for under 50? Because it so, looks like we've matched. It's funny because I'm also cutting a spice. I'm cutting the other one. Um, I'm cutting Eldrazi Mimic. Just because... So I'm actually cutting that for my personal. Oh, you are? <laughs> yeah. Rip, uh, rip, the, uh, rip the spice package. So Eldrazi Mimic is two colorless for 2-1. Whenever another colorless creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may change its base power and toughness. That creature's base power and toughness until end of turn. I, I like Eldrazi Mimic more than... Or I'm sorry... I like Deceiver of Form more than more Eldrazi than mimic. mimic just because it's a beater, right? And you do yeah. have that chance that you could flip over into, you know, your Pathraisers, Rulamogs, and that sort of thing. I see your point because you have no top deck manipulation. There's no top or anything along those lines. Yeah. Um, but I think of the two of them, I went with Mimic just because it's smaller, honestly. Like, it's, a, it's just a little And guy. to add... Uh, fuel to the fire mimics only until like Tuck said when he read it until end of turn yeah I think mimic might have a fighting chance if it was just it has that base power and toughness yeah just forever forever and yes. then it's your choice to change it to the next colorless can, creature can, if you wanted then I say okay sure I I would maybe keep it in here yeah. but the fact that it's only till end of turn it's like great you were 12 12 for a time but and, now I guess not. And I think the argument that people make is like, well, it's a two-drop Eldrazi, and you're like, okay, sure, but you play this on turn two, it dies to zombies, it dies to elves, it dies to a one, it dies to a one mana uh, lightning earth, bolt. earthquake, yeah, lightning bolt. So I think it doesn't really do what you want. Yeah. Now, wandering archaic. I'll read the front. You take okay, the back. Perfect. Which does matter. Five in this deck. colorless creature avatar. It's a rare. It's a four-four. Whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery, they may pay two. If they don't, I get to copy that spell 
and I may choose new targets for the copy. Now, if I don't want to cast it for the creature side, and I want to cast it for its flip, Tuck, what would that be? So you can get Explore the Vast Lands, which is a three-drop sorcery. Each player looks at the top five cards of their library and may reveal a land card or and or an instant or sorcery card from among them. Each player puts the cards they revealed this way into their hand and the rest on the bottom of their library in a random order. Each player gains three life. So why don't you talk about the Explore the Vast Lands okay. piece, and I'll kind of hit on the front piece. Yeah, so um, I think that... There is, when you play Eldrazi, I think people just have this like knee-jerk reaction that like, oh my god, he's playing an Eldrazi deck? We're all dead. And they don't realize that for the first five to nine turns, you're not going to be doing a whole hell of a lot, right? Yeah. So I think the back end is going to be something that's going to pacify people and then also mm -hmm. kind of give them a maybe a potential, a little bit of advantage if they can get the instant and or sorcery for you. You do run a handful of them, but there's only like 10 that you can run that are this color that are any good. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah. So the fact that you can at least get a land drop for three seems pretty efficient you have 35 in here you're gonna have ways to to dig those up uh gaining three life is irrelevant when you're playing 11 11s so that's why the back end in this like i think a lot of times people don't play it for the back end but i think it also has a lot of value in this deck too yeah i'd agree uh also key it's a land card because we have so oh, many utility very, lands very we good can point grab anything that we need uh another point there is two total instants and one total <laughs> sorcery in the deck so for definitely now. Now, uh, but you're definitely playing the Explore the Vast Lands. Think of it as like a three mana, hopefully top five rampant growth. That's yep. what I'm really kind of hoping for. Uh, but, you know, we have enough lands that I think we can get there. But the other side is where I think we're going to have a lot more exciting oh, things yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. So the fact that we only run three in the entire deck, like I've considered running Wandering Archaic in my Brutaclad deck. Sure. Because I would only have run it for the front permanent side, but now it gives me access to incident sorceries. Mm -hmm. And now opponents have to think, am I going to pay two for that? When have we heard that phrase you used before, Tuck? Oh, I don't know. Smothering tithe? Ristic, How annoying does that go? Ristic study? <laughs> Any of these things. Yeah, well, I, and I meant specifically the oh, two, two. Because yes. how often are people actually paying the two? Hardly, Hardly fucking ever. ever. Yeah. So how often are they going to pay the two here? Probably not that often. And to that point, I think a lot of spell slingers, when they're playing, or decks that are playing instants and sorceries, they play them intentionally to be able to get them off at very specific times, right? Like, I'm playing Time Warp right now because I know that if I can get another turn, I'm going to be able to go off. But I have to spend all my mana to do it now, right? Yeah. I have to spend all my mana now to tutor for these lands that then is going to enable me to go off. I think people play their instants and sorceries a lot tighter than they would creature spells, right? And I think they're not going to have the mana or they're just not going to be able to pay for it because they need that thing to get them to get them going. So yeah, um, I think Wandering Archaic, I, we, I know we talked about it on our Strixhaven not-so-accurate review. I have still not seen this ever played, which is yeah, kind of baffling to me. I think I have one copy of it. I don't even have it in a deck yet. Well, it is $7. It is $7. So. I paid... Uh, I paid a quality nine, so really took a bath on that one. All right. Well, now we're going to move on to no budget. Uh, mine, I'm cutting the Eldrazi Mimic. I already yep. talked about it. Uh, it's just, you know, if it if it had said, if it wasn't until end of turn, then I would do it. But we got that clause, so can't have it. All right, Tuck, I'm breaking the bank. Oh, my God. I could get a copy for $161 or a gold-bordered version for 41 33 Wait, wait, wait. Is it a land? No. 
Is it an artifact? Yes. Grim monolith? No. Damn it. All right, what do we got? So I got 32 of these in the deck, and that's why actually I think I should probably put it in here and own a copy eventually at some point. It is a part of magic history. Oh! Metalworker. Oh, God. <laughs> we just talked about this last week. Three colorless artifact creature. It's a rare. It's a 1-2. Tap, reveal any number of artifact cards in your hand. Add two colorless mana in your mana pool for each uh, card revealed this way. Bonkers. I, I got 32 of them, guys. I'm okay advertising what's in my hand if I'm going to get <laughs> 10 mana to cast Kozilek. So. Well, especially because yours, it's going to be like, okay, I'm tapping Metalworker, Worn Power Stone, Soul Ring. I have Vecna, like it's just gonna yeah. be all it's like all utility unstable obelisk and people are like oh okay so in two turns he can do something so like and I, here's yeah. the other cool thing that i don't know if you thought of i talked about it earlier usually you want to have an empty hand when you're casting cosolet right that's the exact opposite with metal worker because metal worker you're only gaining mana off cards in hand so this becomes the trade-off with metal worker that i'm okay with Either I have no cards in hand, I'm paying 10, 12, 14 mana, but I'm also drawing seven. Yep. Or I have cards in hand, and then Kozilek only costs me four. Right. Or six. And yeah, I only get to draw three cards, but he also still only costs four or six for a 12, 12 yeah. minutes with counter effects stapled onto the body. So yep. um, I know Metal Worker is usually reserved for the artifact decks, but I think in a colorless deck, just like how... Um, Crucible of Worlds is usually only in landfall decks. I think this has a home in colorless because yeah. of all the utility that you have. I know you don't have an artifact deck yet, and you said no to the one that I had had an idea for because it was entirely too cute. I think this this is inadvertently your artifact deck, right? <laughs> like, kind of? I mean, I guess when you have 32 of something <laughs> right. in the deck. I mean, it I do have more up. artifacts than creatures, so. Yeah, there you go. Certainly more more than Eldrazi, but that makes sense. <laughs> All right, Tuck, bring us home. What are you cutting? What are you adding? So I'm going to cut uh, Wild Field Scarecrow. Uh, what? Yeah. The Scarecrow? The Scarecrow. It's got to go. Uh, three colorless for one four defender. For two colorless, sack it. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Reveal them and put them into your hand and shuffle your library. I just don't like the fact that it's a five mana investment into putting cards into your hand. I, I like, you already have the Burnish Heart. I think Solemn Simulacrum is a better card than this as well. Um, it's a defender, which is like some fringe benefit to you. But because you have stuff like Emrakul, the Promised End, and I think you want things that are a little bit more targeted, I have two cards that came out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you choose which ones that you want out of them. They're both out of Strixhaven, and they're both lessons. So the first one is Introduction to Annihilation. Five colorless for a sorcery lesson. Exile, target, non-land, permanent, its controller draws a card. So if you need a little bit more targeted removal, drawing a card isn't anything that's too crazy for most decks. This is going to be for the same mana investments. You're going to be able to destroy something that someone controls. Unfortunately, it's at sorcery speed. The other one is another lesson, which does... I like that it does the same thing, just a little less for half the mana investment. You also have Environmental Sciences, which is two colorless for sorcery lessons. Search library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. You gain two life. So I like the fact that it only costs two. You don't have to put the mana investment into it. You're never going to attack with Wild Field Scarecrow. So either for the same mana, you're getting Premier Removal in these colors, right? We kind of, I think we talked about introduction to annihilation during Strixhaven as well of, again, just a five drop, remove anything on the board, minus lands, which, you know, you have your fuel to runes and whatnot. So you can either choose to get 
uh, more removal, if that's what you think you're hurting for, or something that's a little bit more efficient um, and lets you open up the rest of your turn for getting your land to hand. Hmm. Uh, so I hear you. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I actually, I do really like the uh, uh, introduction to Annihilation recommendation. Yeah. That's that's pretty great it's, and solid. It's so strong. Um, I, I would probably have to cut something else for that um you know might I'm, I'm not too sure I'd, I'd have to cut something else for it because the one thing i don't want to do is i don't want to increase the cmc of the deck when we've already said the deck's very hot or cold whether oh, it's sure. either yeah, i can yeah. run it well or i have no mana so i don't want to increase the cmc when i'm getting rid of a card that gets it's me ramp lands. yeah yeah, so that's the one thing I'd have against that, but I think that I do agree that a card needs to go in the deck, so we'll yeah. have to find a home for it. But I, I want to focus more on the environmental sciences and, and just have a lively discussion with you, just, you know, friendly. Why would you rather pay two mana instantly, or not instantly, but one time Sorcery, done, yeah. Sorcery you get a waste to hand and gain two life and you're done. Effects over. Wouldn't you rather just pay one extra mana, now you got a one four blocker on the battlefield and then when you feel like it pay two to go get two basics and put them into hand so it's like yes you're paying right. three more mana eventually at the end of the day but you are netting one more land and you get to kind of do it at your own pace at any point because this doesn't even have the at sorcery speed clause i would just i would rather be able to do two mana for environmental sciences and then use that three mana that you have left over that's the net of what you're gonna have to be doing that same turn to play one of your mana rocks like i think that's gonna put you out further but you're never doing like if you're ever doing burn a shard or wildfield skill crow yeah. in the same turn that you casted it you're in trouble i agree i agree with that I just okay. I, I I agree with what you're saying with like that in terms of total mana investment. I just also like the fact that it's a sorcery, it's on a creature. So if there is just happens to be a board wipe, you could get nothing out of it, right? At least with Solemn, you get something out of it. This one you also get to do at your own pace, right? So if you're flush with lands, you can hold on to this one. If you just need to scry, thin your deck out a little bit. That's why I like environmental sciences over Wildfield Scarecrow. If you had more ways to recur creatures or artifacts from your graveyard to the battlefield, it'd be a much easier discussion, right? Because then Wildfield Scarecrow is just that good. Uh, it's just better. But the fact that you don't have a lot of ways to bring your your artifacts back, and when you're bringing artifacts back, you want the ones that you really that you really need and want. That's why Environmental Sciences still wins out over the Scarecrow to me. But I can I can see your point. I knew you were going to yell at me and have this lively discussion when I told I talked about the Scarecrow, but I'm standing by it. Uh, I definitely think Introduction and Annihilation is the better of the two, though. I'll agree with you on that. And what I'll agree with is that we're at the end of the episode. And guys, leave a review. Follow us on YouTube, whatever uh, audio platform. Share the content with your friends, family, grandma, uh, estranged aunt that lives in Estonia. Uh, just get the content out there. Uh, we'd like that five star. We want you to leave a comment. Let us know how either we can improve the comment or potentially even, uh, you know, continue what we're doing. Just kind of keep status quo if that's what you guys like. Now, if you'd like to get a hold of us, here's how you can do that. You can reach me at Mr. Combo for five on Twitter. I'll spell that except for the five. Big Tuck, where could they reach you? So Mr. Combo uh, brought this up. I'm at Big Tuck Tweeting on the Twitterverse. And I posted a Magic the Gathering uh, content this week. And it got retweeted several times, I'll have you know. 
Uh, so Mr. Com- Mr. Combo was right. We just got to get that content out there. Uh, also, if you don't have Sword of Hearth and Home, grab one now. They're about 10 bucks. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I was uh, getting stuff for the Drinkathon today, and um, Picked that through, card through, actually came up. Through a couple and in. <laughs> I could get the full art foil, I think, for $30. Woo! Hell yeah. And it's like, man, that's tempting, baby. That is put it in your gods. Put it in your gods deck. There you go. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Uh, we will have a article and deck list posted at cmdtower.com slash B-N-B-E-011. Basically, all you have to do is type in Conduit of Ruin mirage mirror dreamstone hedron tower.com if you would like to get a hold of our amazing video editor and audio editor for this bruise and builds episode definitely hit up at underscore teacoats on twitter uh tyler is an integral part of the team uh like i said he does all video editing here at cmd tower and specifically the audio for bruise and builds so if he can work with your content uh channel uh, on a project please hit him up. Now, if you would like to help us out financially, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. Um, we offer tons of awesome stuff on there like we've talked about throughout the episode. Big one is gonna be that Christmas sweater. Uh, anyone that is a patron will be getting a discount on these sweaters because uh, it's very, very, very nice and they're very, very, very expensive. Uh, plus, you guys also will be getting discounts. We're gonna be coming out with our Bruise and Builds foil playmat soon. So if you're an existing Bruise and Builds member, you'll be able to pick one up pretty pretty damn cheap uh, compared to anyone trying to buy it off the streets. And I can confirm... Now there's some redacted... Real quick. Uh, I did get that thing. Those sweaters look awesome. <laughs> Those are going to be so sick. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. It's... Uh... Yeah, they, they're they're pretty awesome. Mr. Magoo did the design for us last year. Just we got the process rolling too late. And uh, so hopefully the sweater sample will be delivered by the time I get back from Italy. Uh, and now I guess a week and a half's time from this recording. So Big Tuck. Bruzum builds Kozilek doesn't believe in watercolors. I know that you weren't... when we, I remember specifically... When you and I first started doing brews and builds before, you know, we had action forward news or redacted reviews or any of this other stuff. Specifically, you told me a couple things. Mr. Combo, uh, we're never talking about my Nekuzar deck uh, or uh, never, ever going to talk about, you know, a CEDH deck. We've done yep. both of that. And then the other was... I will never in hell talk about our colorless decks. <laughs> you can go to hell, find someone else for those episodes. Well, Big Tuck, it just took a little here, over two years, but you did the colorless episode. I, li- I like these decks this fine. Um, I- I've seen it in action. I think it's good. I think your points of being like, I- it makes sense why this is in the bottom of your rotation, if you will. Uh, I'm guessing this won't, be ma- this won't be appearing during the drink-a-thon. <laughs> oh, God, 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 <laughs> no. Not. So, yeah, no, it's fun. I, I like, I think that these colorless decks are very hard just out the gate, right? Because all the things that you want to cast cost a million, so you have to kind of play this artifact theme to it. Uh, but I, I do like, I think the, the smart thing to pull away from this, if you're listening to it, is don't get suckered into just running four ways, two ways, three ways, whatever. I think that I think that's something that your deck does really well and efficiently is just hitting land drops, having ways to pull up basic lands and that sort of thing. So I think that I think that's a really well a really big aspect of this deck that's very well built. 
Yeah, you know, I think part of this, because, um, you know, when I went through and updated the list online, I mean, A, when I had last done this deck, I hadn't even put it in the grain oh, hot sure, spice yeah. categories yet, so that tells you how long ago it was. I think when I went through, there was like 12 cards that had changed from the last time I did the list. Even talking today, there's five or six cards I should definitely enter <laughs> into the deck to make it feel any different. So, you know, maybe it is one of those things that I haven't played the deck in so long. I put in these five or six cards. Metal Worker's probably a stretch. I'm not going to go spend $161 uh, on a card for a deck that I But you only need to play. spend 40 Gold Border, baby! Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, that's against the rules. Um, so, you know, I definitely think though, if I put in those five or six on top of the 12 that I've swapped out, it probably would actually have a different feel yeah. to it than probably my last memory. But, you know, it, it's, it's a deck. I'm hell bent on my path to 32 and this fulfills a requirement of said you're, path. To you're 32. not a, you're not a so, coward like me who uh, rips apart decks <laughs> once I don't like them. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll catch uh, Schlazer. Schlazer. Kind of sounds like Schrader. Schrader. Blaze. Blaze.